Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And you know, on that first Easter morning, a handful of people experienced a profound change that they weren't expecting. Three days before Jesus had been arrested, he'd been nailed to a Roman cross, and as he, was, as he was on the cross, most of his followers fled. They, they hid in fear. Uh, as he was being crucified, they went underground, and they feared for their own lives. And, and on that first Easter morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, who was a close friend of Jesus, and some other women went to the cross. Because you see that he was crucified on Passover, and they wanted to get everything done uh, so that the religious leaders could go home and have dinner, could celebrate the Passover, and so they had to rush through the process of getting him in the tomb, and they didn't finish all of the burial preparations, so early on that Easter morning, Mary and some women went back to the tomb to, to try somehow, in spite of a huge rock that was in front of the tomb, in spite of soldiers being stationed there, in spite of all of that, they went to try to finish the job of preparing Jesus for burial. And when they got there, things were different than they expected. Let's read from John, the 20th chapter, verses 1 to 10. It goes like this, and now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in. I don't know if he was stooping because the entrance was low or because he had both hands on his knees because he couldn't breathe, but he got to the tomb and he stooped and he looked in and he saw the linen cloths lying there but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and, and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up and, and in a place by itself. Now that's an interesting little detail that the Apostle John throws in for us, isn't it? That, that he wants us to understand that, that the shroud, the, 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 the cover, the garment that had been covering Jesus when he was placed in the tomb and then the, the linen cloth that had gone over his face, that they were still there. They were folded up and laying in the tomb. And, and so in 407 AD, uh, a scholar and a pastor named John Christendom uh, wrote this little article and in this he said that it doesn't make sense for the linen cloth to be folded in the tomb and the shroud to be still in there if somebody stole the body. What would possess the disciples if they wanted to steal away the body? What would possess them to take the time to take his garment off, to fold it up neatly, to take the linen cloth and fold it up and lay it at the head uh, where the tomb was? That Nobody would have done that, but the fact is that Jesus rose and he took the time to lay his his garment there, to lay that linen cloth there as a, as a sign for us that he is risen. 
Well, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And, and then the disciples, they went back to their homes. They, they went back to the place that they had been hiding. But verse 11 tells us that Mary was still weeping, standing in front of the grave. So Peter and John, they see that the tomb's empty. They see the grave closed there, but they leave and they go back to where they had been hiding. But Mary Magdalene stays by the tomb. She's weeping. She's grieving because this had happened because Christ isn't there. And the scripture says this, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing, uh, Supposing him to be a gardener, She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him that I may take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He just simply said her name, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. You know, there's something very moving about this first meeting uh, on the risen Lord with, with any of his followers. There's something with wonderful humility involved in this. First of all, that, that it's Mary, and by all historic accounts, Mary is not an important person. Mary's not someone famous. Mary's not, she's famous because she's in the Bible. She wasn't a prominent person in their community, but she was the first person in history that Jesus chose to reveal himself to after the resurrection. She's the one that Jesus said, you'll see me first. The story's told simply by John, but it's told with conviction. So Mary doesn't realize it's Jesus. She thinks he's a gardener. I don't know if it's her tears, uh, her emotions, or whatever it is, but when he says her name, she immediately knows that it's the Lord, and she cries out, and, and then she throws herself at Jesus. She holds on to him. And regardless of what you believe, at least we have the idea of the resurrection because of Easter that's celebrated every year. But there wasn't anything in Mary's background, there wasn't anything in her training, there wasn't anything in her life that would have prepared her for that moment. Well, the Jews, they knew that there was a resurrection at the end of time, that, that the God would raise up people and he would judge, but there was nothing, there was nothing in there their teaching, there was nothing in their culture that talked about an individual rising from the grave. There was nothing in her that would make her expect this to happen. And so even when she first saw Jesus, she didn't realize that it was him. She wasn't anticipating that someone would rise from the dead. And she looks at the man in the garden whom she assumes is a gardener and he looks at her And maybe he has a little bit of a twinkle in his eye, but he simply says, Mary. And as he speaks her name, her eyes are opened and she realizes Jesus and she is overcome with joy. And she embraces Jesus. She throws herself on her knees in front of Jesus and 
and grabs his legs and holds on for dear life, weeping and laughing in joy. Now, I don't know how long you think it would have taken for Mary to have turned around in that cave to Jesus. Maybe a second, maybe two seconds. Uh, There's a commentator, a scholar named Dale Bruner who says that as Mary turned and saw Jesus, it was as if the world was also turning on its axis just slightly. As she turned one second into her turn, it was as though the world shifted from B.C. to A.D., from before Christ to Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. One second before, Mary had been a woman agonizing in the depths of sadness, in the face of unconquerable death, and a second later, Mary experiencing the highest possible human joy. In the presence of the one who had conquered death, Mary is the first person in history to see Jesus risen from the dead, and the joy and the elation that she must have felt is unimaginable. Here's the thing. As people meet the risen Christ today, they experience a profound and unexpected joy. The great C.S. Lewis said this, the Oxford scholar who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he described himself as the most reluctant convert to Christ in all of England. He, He said of himself as someone who came kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God, but he said the most surprising thing about his conversion was the joy of it. So he aptly titled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. I had this experience in a unique way a couple of years ago. Uh, My younger sister, my baby sister, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, with pancreatic cancer, and she started that swift decline toward death, and one day I was at her bed and I was holding her hand, and one of her sons was standing there with me, and my, my sister Sandy looks at me, and she wasn't talking very much anymore. Um, she looks at me, and she says, Larry, I know you, and I see Austin, but who are all the rest of the people in this room? And I, and I had this, just this moment of clarity, and I, I said, oh, Sandy, those are the angels. They're waiting for you. They're coming to escort you to Jesus. They're going to take you to heaven. And and something turned for us at that moment, and there was was an unexpected joy that took place, because we started talking about heaven, and we started talking about the people that she was going to greet in heaven. We started talking about our mom who had just passed away about three months before and and we talked about my brother and my father and and other people that she was going to get to see first. And I was saying, Sandy, make sure that you say hello to them. Make sure that you you greet them for me because you're going to get there first. And and what happened, and, and more for my sister really even than me, is that in that moment, rather than fear and rather than regret, she experienced an an unexpected joy as she looked forward because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of what had Christ done, because Christ had conquered death, and she knew that that wasn't the end of her story, and as she began to look toward the other side, as she had a peek into eternity, she experienced something that you can only say happens 
because of the resurrection, because of what Jesus did. Mary is embracing Jesus, and she is overwhelmed with happiness. And in verse 17, it says that Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and he had said these things to her. So Mary takes off. She she finds Jesus' uh, Jesus' disciples locked in a room, afraid for their lives. She tells them, she announces to them, I've seen the Lord, and they don't really believe her. This is just Mary. How do you know? You, you, you're, you're hallucinating. Well, what the scripture tells us is that later that day, Jesus appears to his disciples. He appears to his disciples and he says, peace be with you. And, and he shows them the nail marks in his hands and in his feet and they're overcome with joy and they believe. But Thomas, one of the disciples of Jesus, was a skeptic and he wasn't there that day. And, and when they told him the news, he said, look, I've had enough disappointment for one lifetime until I see the nail prints in his hands and until I see where his side was pierced. I, I'm not gonna believe it. And, and a week later, Jesus again comes to the room. This time, Thomas is there. And we don't know everything that took place at that moment, but here's what we do know. We do know that when Thomas saw Jesus, I don't think he needed to touch his nail prints in his hands. I don't think he needed to touch where the spear had pierced his side. But what he said is, my Lord and my God, that he experienced the risen Jesus. He experienced Christ, and he experienced an unexpected joy. Now, here's one of the great mysteries of history, that when Jesus was arrested and nailed to a Roman cross, (laughs) all of his disciples, especially all all of his closest followers, got out of Dodge. All of his closest followers fled, except for one, and, and they all went and hid themselves because they were afraid that they were next. They were afraid that the Roman soldiers would come and, and round them up to, that they were living in fear. They were petrified about what's gonna happen. But a day later, after at the, at the, on Easter morning, when Jesus appeared to them, something radically happened in their lives. Something turned, something changed for them, and they, they became the most courageous people in the world that they began to proclaim Jesus and they went out into the world and they went to anybody that would hear them. They, they risked life and death. In fact, all of those uh, disciples were martyred except for John who died in exile. They were all killed for their faith. They became the most courageous people on the face of the earth because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. So here's the second thing that happens when we experience the resurrected Christ. We experience an unexpected joy and then we become the most courageous people on the planet because if Christ is risen, then what's the worst that can happen to us? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And because of the resurrection, we know that's true. So we know at the end of the day, we spend eternity with Jesus. We get to be with him. We know it's true because of the resurrection. And the disciples experienced that. And the Christianity continued to grow in the first century, in the second century, in the third century, and on and on. You know, by the third century A.D., Rome, who, had G- who crucified Jesus, was a Christian nation because of the courageous people that knew that Christ had risen, that they had experienced 
the risen Christ. So they had experienced the profound joy and they had become courageous people and they had a new courage in, in spite of the life and death circumstances in their life. And here's the third thing that we learn from this passage this morning. Here's the third thing that I want us to take away with us and that is that when we meet the risen Christ, we are not only filled with an unexpe- unexpected joy and become courageous people, but we also have a new vision a new vision to make this broken world whole. God gives us something to do. So to backtrack just a little bit, when Mary first saw Jesus, she thought that he was the gardener. And we know that he really really wasn't the gardener, that he was the Messiah, he was the Christ. But in a way, in a way he was a gardener because if you go back into Genesis and, and you read the early account of the Garden of Eden and, and you see that God had placed Adam and Eve in the garden and Adam's responsibility was to nurture the garden and to protect the garden and to care for it. And when Adam sinned, when Adam fell, that there, there, were, there were weeds and thorns and everything grew and, and Eden was destroyed because of his sin. And then Jesus comes and he starts taking out the weeds and he starts removing the thorns and he starts removing those things that block and he starts creating a whole new world and then he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that if anybody is in Christ, I'm removing the weeds, I'm removing the chains from your life that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. That's the promise of Jesus. He's the ultimate gardener. He's the ultimate one who comes and cleans out the mistakes, cleans out the weeds, cleans out the sin in our lives, and makes us a new creation. In a mysterious way, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He was breaking the chains of death and evil and unleashing the greatest life-giving force the universe has ever known. When people meet Jesus, they wanna become part of his revolution. They want to be part of God making the world greater more beautiful, more whole, bring it peace, making all things new. You know, if you were living in first century Rome, uh, in the Roman Empire, in places that were occupied countries, like Israel, where people were living in slavery and poverty, that you, uh, if you would walk to the edge of a town, you very likely would find a garbage dump. And if you walked to the outskirts of your city, you would find on that garbage dump, chances are you would find discarded babies because of poverty, because of sickness. And what would happen is there were these discarded babies and and so people who owned slave houses would go to these garbage dumps and they would retrieve babies to raise them as slaves. And others who owned brothels would go to these dumps and and they would raise babies to be sex slaves. And that that would be their life. That would be all they would ever know. But followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus would also go to these garbage dumps and they would retrieve girls and boys and raise them as their own. They would adopt them. And when hungry people in the first century knocked on the doors of Christians and they didn't have enough food to feed everyone, they would fast until they had enough food and then they would feed everyone who was there. They would fast until they could all share a meal together. And in the year AD 250, it's estimated that 10,000 Christians, 10,000 followers of Jesus, fasting 100 days a year, were able to give one million meals 
to the poor and the hungry. Today, as people meet the risen Christ, there's a new energy to make this world more beautiful through acts of compassion and justice. And, and I had to think about it. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but t- this Sunday, on Easter Sunday, uh, in Cambodia, A.T. and Crystal Holder are there with their little baby, Tommy, that they've moved to Cambodia to serve children, serve children who have been kidnapped or sold uh, into slavery, and the ministry that they work for rescues those children, and they actually had Easter service this morning in a building that used to be a brothel, and now it's a place of worship. Because when you experience the resurrected Jesus Christ, it gets your heart, and you want to see the world the way Jesus sees it, and you want to make this world new, and you want to bring some of the peace and the wholeness that Christ has offered. And people all over the world are doing it, and often many of you go to, to, to dig wells to, for fresh water, to serve in an orphanage in Tanzania, to build a sports camp in India, all of these things that you do because God has called you to a new vision, to share in acts of compassion and love in a broken world. When we meet the risen Christ, we have a new and unexpected joy. We have courage and we have passion to make the world a more beautiful place. Jesus is the only crucified person in history whose name we know. There are countless of other people who were crucified in the Roman Empire and in other civilizations throughout history, but there is something special about Jesus. Today, over a third of the world will celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Over a third of the world will gather today to remember Christ's death on the cross and the fact that he rose from the grave. In fact, there are probably more followers of Jesus in China worshiping today than there are in the U.S. That the church has exploded, that followers of Jesus have exploded so much in that place that used to be considered a place of darkness. You see, the reason that this is the best weekend of the year is because the resurrection is true. And for those of you who have been considering becoming a Jesus follower, taking that step to turn your life over to him, this is the best weekend to finally decide. Because what you may have been saying to yourself is, you know what, instead of hoping that I, if I ever see God, if there is a judgment, I'm going to tell God um, how good I was, and I'm going to tell God how hard I tried, and I'm going to tell God how many times I promised to get better, But instead, today, you can perhaps tell God, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to experience your joy and your courage and your vision for this world. You know, Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus solves the history's greatest mystery. How did the church How did followers of Jesus survive? How did this movement begin? How did a movement move through the first and second and third and fourth and fifth centuries? Why is it that the world, a third of the world's population calls him Lord? It's because of the resurrection. It's because the resurrection is true. And so what does it mean to us? It means that if you're a Christian, your hope is not in vain. It means that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was telling the truth. It means that that the people that you've lost and the people that you've loved, and if Jesus was telling the truth, if the resurrection is true, then 
then you'll be reunited with him one day. And, and do you know why we believe he told the truth? Here's the deal. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm going to go with whatever he says. <laughs> Seriously. And Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and James, Jesus' half-brother, they show up on the other side of the resurrection and they say, we believe, we struggled, but we believe, we have seen the, the risen Christ. And it's not because of the things that he said, but it's because we have seen the resurrected Jesus. And this is why no matter how hard your life experience has been, no matter how many people have disappointed you, no matter what you saw in your home growing up, no matter what you have seen in terms of hypocrisy in the church, no matter how many unanswered prayers you've had, no matter how disappointed you've been with God, I would say to you this weekend that Jesus has risen and his promises are true. And he has promised us life. And he has given us the opportunity to experience his joy and his courage and a new vision. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that more than 500 people saw him at one time. They saw the resurrected Savior and the world was turned upside down. So if you're here this morning and you've been on the fence, you've been on the sidelines and you've been thinking about it and you've been considering and I, I just want you to know there's no time better than now. There's no time better than this morning to become a follower of Jesus. And so I'd like you to, well, I'd like to invite you to follow me in a prayer. And this, this prayer is just the beginning. If you've never responded to Jesus, if you've never responded to the love of Christ, to the resurrection, then there's no time better than this morning. And so I'm gonna pray and, and you could just follow along with me. But let's, let's, well, you can bow your head and close your eyes or, or you can keep your head up and your eyes open and look around. But you can pray out loud or you can pray silently in your own heart. But, but join me in this prayer, please. God, I, I believe that you that your son is Jesus. And I believe that when he died, he died for my personal sin. And I believe he rose again, and now I'm going to transfer my trust, I'd say in parentheses, whatever, from whatever you've been trusting in, I'm transferring all of my trust from me and whatever I've been trusting into to what Jesus did on my behalf. I'm placing my faith in Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and for eternal life. Lord, I commit my life to you. Come into my heart. Break the chains on my heart and my mind that have held me so tightly. Welcome me into your family. I am ready and I am grateful and I want to spend the rest of my life as a follower of you. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. If you, uh, 
If you're here this morning and you've never responded to Christ, if you, if you prayed with me this morning, I, I would just say, please let us know, tell somebody. Um, but if you didn't this morning and God's still tugging on your heart, it's not too late to respond to the truth of the resurrection. Because everything that Jesus said is true. Because he rose again, he keeps his promises to us. You know, keep his promises to you. I, I guarantee it. Uh, we, we have prayer partners uh, on our regular services, and, and there'll be somebody in the corner uh, of the church, and if you'd like to be prayed with this morning, I would invite you to go, and uh, there'll, be somebody, there'll be somebody there that would love to pray with you. And, and also, uh, at our back table, we have little prayer cards, and, and you, are, you are invited to write prayer requests, things that you would like prayed for uh, on one of those cards. Just leave them right there, and and we as a staff and a prayer team, we go through all those prayer requests every week. And, and in fact, the staff starts Monday morning and we pray through all of those requests and continue to pray with you through the week. So take advantage of those two things. But before we leave this morning, I'd like to pray a prayer of benediction and then remind you that there'll be, a, there'll be links of a chain uh, available to you as you go out this morning to remind you of our freedom that we have in Christ. But would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we're able to talk about these things freely and without fear. And Father, I pray for, for those that this, that this was their moment, this was their weekend, this was their occasion to, that you would seal in their heart the commitment they've made and that they'd not forget it, uh, that this would be a moment that they look back on from, for the rest of their lives and say, this is when I decided to be a follower of Jesus. And, and for everyone else, Lord, I pray a blessing over them that they would go in your favor and they would go in your peace. It's the peace of Jesus that comes in the power of the resurrection. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Happy Easter. God bless. Mm-hmm.